Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to come and share with me this morning. I want to share with you about sharing your faith and how important. Now, again, I want you to kind of look into this. And as an introduction, it's in the area of, of ministry and sharing. And I want you to know, above all, uh, through the years, uh, I'm very careful. And, and I might mention, I had a knee replacement about a month, two months ago. So I'm kind of wobbling a little bit. So don't think I'm about ready to fall over. I'm just kind of compensating a little bit. But I want you to know that and the areas of ministry and sharing uh, the gospel and areas of ministry, uh, it's been kind of difficult through the years. And, and we kind of cause people to back away from it. But I want you to know, before you even listen to this today, I want it to be a positive message. I don't want it to be a guilt. I, I know it doesn't work. Uh, I grew up in a portion of the Nazarene time where everyone seemed to be a little guilt-ridden a little bit. And that is, uh, we'll keep them if you make them feel guilty. Uh, but this morning, I want you to see and, and project the aspect of Christ to the whole world. It, it's so important. It's, it's very similar. Uh, what I'm trying to look at today, and I hope it comes across that way, is, is two pastors are training and uh, coming before a congregation to be voted on. They both had to preach to the congregation. And so they gave both pastors the title. It was a message on hell. And so they both preached the message. It went in the areas as they should. And uh, they kind of went through this and shared with it. And they voted and they decided to accept the second gentleman as their new pastor. And the first gentleman, the first pastor that preached, just said to them, I don't understand. We preach on the same subject, same aspect. Why did you pick him and not me? And the simple answer was that it seemed like you were happy that we were going to hell. And the other one was concerned that they were going to hell. And this morning, that's what I want to be. I hope that our congregation, and I know Pastor Pete is one of those that are positive in his life. And so I know that, that that's what we want to do today. And so, again, if you have your Bibles, Titus, we want to turn there. And uh, Titus 2, verse 7 and 8. And I don't know what you do, but I do. I know you've been up for a while. If you feel comfortable with it, but again, the word of God, would you stand in reverence to that? Again, in respect of his word. Titus 2, verse 7 and 8. In everything, set them as an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that you cannot be condemned. So those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Father, I ask you to help us today. We want this message to ring out. We want it to touch our hearts. We want to realize that, that the gospel is something important. We have an obligation to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone we come in contact with in the same manner. I can remember the Lord in my own life, a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, a layman that came to our home and invited my mom and dad to church. And from that point on, we begin to grow and mature and it was a lifetime of being part of a church that loved us and kept us. Help us today to hear your message and to share it with everyone you put on our path. In thy name, amen. You may be seated. If you're doing that and want to stay there in Titus, but I want to just something similar, just kind of a, a text that is uh, close and, and sharing in the same manner. In First uh, Peter, it says very clearly, First uh, Peter 3, verse 15. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this in gentleness and respect. 
And if you don't get anything else today, and you don't uh, hear a lot of things that mean anything, I want you to understand that everything we do, everything that we share about Christ should be done in the aspect of making sure that it is respectful, integrity, it was serious, and again, so that nothing can come back against us because of our life. This morning, the scripture is clear that in all things show yourself a pattern in the things that we share and minister into. And so I want you to know and understand that we are to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone that comes in our path in a different way. And I, I want to describe that. I mean, you know the scriptures, but it talks about the areas. And sometimes we think that we have to do kind of the, the thumping over the head. We've got to give them the guilt scriptures, tell them where they're going, and then try to get them to a point. Remember, God is great enough to be able to work out a great plan between many people. And so your job in sharing your faith could be just the beginning of cultivating, as the scripture tells us. Turning over the soil. Preparing. It could be someone that's been away from church for years. It could be someone that's never heard of God before. But you are just there at that time and moment, not to go through the whole procedure, but to literally turn over the soil and prepare what was coming in the future. You might be the one next to be planting the seed, but then there's someone that comes along and plants the seed in that person's life. Remember, God is a great organizer. He knows exactly how to plant, how to move, how to grow. And so you could be the one that just turns over the soil, or maybe you'll be the one that plants the seed, or maybe you're the one that waters it. Maybe you're the one that comes along and after the other two Christians have talked or been with that person, now God has had you in that position that all you're supposed to do is water. Now that's not a hard thing to do, just to water. And then there's the areas of harvesting. And that is, if you ever under that opportunity, it's the greatest opportunity. When you see someone that was headed for hell but now has turned their life around and accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and they begin to cry and begin to share just how God has changed their life and ministered. And so it's important at that point. Now, if we would just kind of change that, there's something I need to make clear in this point. We believe as a church of salvation and in works. So if we can forward that right now, can we? Good. Salvation and works. Now, I want you to understand this seems like works because you're, what I'm going to talk to you about is things that you need to do and things to look for. The key is that in our, do, in our doctrine, in our beliefs, we do not believe that works necessarily is going to be your key to heaven. There's nothing that will ever place a confession, a belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and asking him into your life. And so this morning, again, I'm trying to clarify this, but I want you to understand is that you need to come to a point in your life it's not going to be one of those days that, well, I served the church for 60 years and I was on the board. I taught Sunday school class. I did. These are all good things. But the thing is, you have to put something before that, and it is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why the blood was shed. Then, the scripture says, then we need to go out and be prepared to give a good word or do a good deed and work those things out. And so this morning when I preach and I'm sharing this, and I know it's kind of a long introduction, but I want to make sure you're prepared and understand that it's not anything to the point of, of, I've done all this work, I've done all these things. The key is that know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And then as you go out to work, you're in the right procedure. You know Christ the personal Savior, and you know that you're sharing and ministering in that. So that's the key principle when we talk about salvation and works. There is the key of knowing Christ, but there's also the key of allowing 
the works of Christ in your life. So the first thing we need to do is this. If we can just kind of turn that, is that we need to be friendly. And that, that's the next thought as we share this point. We need to be friendly. And, and this is a key that I want you to do and what you're going to hear here. Uh, I don't know how many of you have been around the church, but probably about 50 years ago. Now, I've been told this, so I don't know about that 50 years ago thing. But the key is this. We call cold turkey. We call that evangelism. I remember this in seminary. What we would do is that we would get the names of new people. Now, if you're new this morning, this is not going to happen here. So please hold your breath. But the cold turkey was this. We would get those little cards, sign them. And I hear so many, if I go to church and stuff, is that this is just to send a card out and thank you for being in our church. There's a reason why we're doing that. We're covering our, our, our backside because basically we used to, years ago, take those cards and about during that week that you visit the church, we go knocking at your home, we make sure that it's a little bit dark. You know, it's about 8 o'clock in the evening, 7 o'clock, and we go into your home, there's a little conversation, and all of a sudden the big question comes up. If God comes back tonight, or if you would die, would you know where you would spend eternity? And then you would get these big eyes staring at you. And these people would just say, I don't even know you. What are you talking about? And then we would want to lay hands on them and pray. Now, one disclaimer. There is a time and place in our modern society today that needs to be considered. And that is if someone's laying on their hospital bed, you're not going to say to them, how about come over to dinner to our house in a couple of weeks? That's not going to work. There are times that God will urge and just say, you know what? You don't have that time to cultivate seed and plant. You need to do all four things. You need to ask them how they are their souls. So there are times for that. But in the day and age that we have today, people say, well, I can't do that. And that's what we turned off. And I see people constantly say, you mean I got to go to their home and I have to do this and do that? The key is that most times in this day and age, you know that if you go to a home, come where you're from, they're not going to even open their door. Now, they might pull the curtain back a little bit to see who you are and then close it again. But the key is that that doesn't work anymore. And what God expects us to do is that not to reject his plan of sharing our faith, but to make sure that we begin sharing and ministering. And so this morning, I want you to understand that the first thing, that, and it's very simple to this point, is that these points that I'm going to share with you are simply a fact that should be everyday life, and it should be something that you share, and I want you to know that you are sharing the gospel. And that should lighten your load because you're thinking, you know what, I, I should have asked them if they want to pray and accept Jesus, and I needed to do that, or I needed to go. The key is that you're going to be in someone's life every day, and these are items of witnessing. This is sharing your faith. And these are points that I want you to apply and make sure they're in your life and review. I guess the first question is I have, do you know of anyone or is someone other than in the church a friend that you have? The example of Christ was simply this. He found those that were lost and became friendly. The woman at the well, the demon-possessed man, each of those were not the areas of running down the aisles in the church. They were not praising and giving glory to God. He was finding those that were lost. Those that were with him were always confused. They were always frustrated, always getting to a point of saying, why would you let her pull that, pour that perfume on you? Why would you let her do that? Or, or why, why is he eating with sinners? And why is he eating with tax collectors? Should that not give us a hint? Shouldn't that give us some thought about 
who we should be and what friends. Now, I'm not talking about friendships where you go out and party and do the things that they're involved in the world. But I am saying is that there's a time and place to say, you know what? I can't necessarily be part of that, but I'd like for you to come to here or do this. But friendships are good to evolve and be part of. A man that has friends must show themselves friendly. And so I believe that being friendly is a key that we need to share. Matter of fact, there are three words I kind of put here. We need as Christians to be friendly. We need to be funny. And above all, the scripture tells us we need to be nice. And I tell you that because, again, we're thinking that we have to kind of clob some over the head or we have to threaten them about hell or have to deal with it. But the key is that we need to be friendly where we go out upon their stuff. Now, again, you say, well, that's not easy. I know some of these things are not easy, uh, especially I heard some of your jokes. They're not funny. So I understand it takes a little work. But the key is that you can be nice. There's in a practice and put that area. But, but friendly is an area of knowing and sharing. My wife is one of those. Again, I've been a pastor these many years, and it would take me some time to warm up. If I was in the crowd, I would take a little time. I feel a little uneasy. I feel uncomfortable. Now, my wife would go into a crowd, and when she came out, she would have birthdays, holidays, uh, names, addresses. Uh, she's just that kind of person. She would do that. Matter of fact, I was always concerned. Because if I would send her into the store and I would say, I would wait out here, I know better. Now I park the car and go in the store with her so that I can encourage her. Come on, let's go. But she will stand at the cash uh, register and those areas and just begin saying, you know, good, how you doing and talking to her. So, so I know we have different personalities. But friendships is developing those areas, even if it's just high. If it's not an area where you're best buds, but the areas, how about the person at the gas station or someone at the library or someone at school, someone that maybe you're not hanging out with, but they know that you're there. You've made that area. And funny, that's the key. I mean, most of those out in the world think that Christians are just big snobs and holier than thou and always judging someone else. And the funny aspect is that don't be afraid to laugh, even if it's the point they're laughing at you. Laugh. They need to see. These are all witnesses to have areas of reaching out their friendships. And I can tell you that I've kind of proven and shared this, and I'm not perfect at this, but... Right now, I'm working uh, with the Twinsburg School District, and I can tell you that a few years ago, uh, I started there, and uh, when we would see each other, it was horrible. I mean, it was just everybody was mad and grumpy and complaining, and so I said to myself, you know, i got to do something. So I began developing some friendships and trying to create, and we're talking about 50 people, and so little bit by little bit now, and it's, it's taken five years, but now it's an area of asking for prayers or, or you know, it's so good that you're there or having supervisor tell, you know what, you've changed the atmosphere there. I mean, just the areas that I believe. I don't know, and I, and I hesitate to this, but I don't know if any of you have motorcycles. Uh, I just got rid of my Harley, and I'm crying and boohooing over that over my legs. But basically, the first time I ever had that, and my wife loves to go out that way, and I tell her I'm going to tell this so that I don't get in trouble on the way home. But have you ever noticed that if you're out on the highway and you go by a, mo- a motorcyclist and you see them put their fingers out the bottom? No one's ridden a motorcycle before? You've seen that before? I don't even know that person. But you know what? If something would happen, that cyclist would pull over and help me. There's something like a brotherhood that, that I don't know them. Some of us have helmets on. We don't even know what each other look like. 
but some bonding. So I asked this group that every time you would see, this is bus drivers I, I work with, and uh, I said, would you do me a favor? And so I tried to create that a little bit, and so they'd drive by, give a peace sign or wave to them or something, and man, I'll tell you, that first year was horrible. I got dirty looks. I got things that you, I cannot even repeat on, on the church. You, you can imagine, I mean, I know you've been Nazarene, but you can imagine what the world was doing. But now, after five years, we're on the radio saying good morning. I mean, it's like a whole change atmosphere. And, and I'm telling you, it's like a preparation. It's like preparing people. And, and now they're, again, asking me to pray. There's other areas opening the doors. So God is asking us, and the scripture is saying to us, is that create friendships. It's wonderful to have them in church, but create friendships outside. And it doesn't have to have to be someone we're buds and with all the time, but someone that recognizes your face. And uh, it could be a waitress or a server. Uh, make sure that, again, it talks about the areas of being nice, being funny. And being appropriate. You see, Jesus was funny. Look at some of the stories. When he talked to them about fasting, I mean, he didn't just go into detail. I mean, he told him, you know, quit making those faces, quit rolling around on the ground, quit acting, you know, dumb. or on the boat where he's down sleeping and they're all scared to death because it's about ready to tip over and storms and stuff. And he didn't move. He laid down there. I mean, they finally had to go down and say, Lord, Lord, aren't you going to come and help us? Or are you going to let us die? And down there, he's probably saying, maybe I should let him drown. I don't know. But, uh, he came up and he said it was calm. He had a sense of humor. And so I'm encouraging you that you say, you know what? I can do that. I can be funny. Again, be careful of those jokes you're telling. But the areas of being friendly and, and courteous to one another, it's important to do that. And I guess the last part of that, I just want to say this to you, is that we have some in our office that are atheists. And uh, we had a gentleman there for about three years. And boy, just... It made me mad. He, he was always, he's married, had children. He's always flirting with the women. He's always using foul language. He's always doing all kinds of things. And one day in the office, this atheist young lady, she's probably about 32, comes in the office. And, and he's behind her going, oh, you need to change your ways. You need to, you know, because he was irritating her. And he, she said, he says, you need to say things and do this stuff. And she's writing away. And he says, you need to know my Jesus. And that young lady turned to him, and I'll never forget the expression and the look. And she said, if I ever look for Jesus, it won't be your Jesus. If I ever, if I ever look for Jesus, it will not be your Jesus. And what I'm saying is, We can be friendly, we can be funny, and we can be nice and create an atmosphere that they say to you, someday, if I ever choose to accept or follow Jesus Christ, I'm going to talk to you about the Jesus that you serve because I see something different in your life. Folks, that's witnessing. That's not cold turkey. That's not just some type of little trick or or some pushing. That's just plain out being Christ-like. The second aspect of this is the area of being forgiving. Forgiving one another as God has forgiven you. In the church and outside the church. My wife and I went to a wedding a few years ago. It was in Pennsylvania. It was a relative. And we parked in a drop in the parking lot. We walked into the church. And uh, <laughs> we sat down and we looked up and we said, that doesn't look like the wedding party. 
And we sat there for about 10 minutes, and then we started looking for some way to get out of a wedding and get to where we needed to be. Now, we didn't have a wrong address, and we didn't have a wrong place. We were at the right address, right place. And I walked out, and there was an usher, and I said, is this not, and I'll say, is, is this not the Lutheran church? We're supposed to be at a wedding. He says, oh, you're probably looking for the one next door. And I looked at him, he says, yeah, next door. And so we went across two Lutheran churches on the same property within feet, a couple of feet of each other. And the story is simply this. There was a big fight, big argument in the church. And so they built a separate building and they had two different churches. Isn't that a, a tremendous testimony of people driving by every day saying, there's two Lutheran churches there. And then finding out the fact is that they were fighting and arguing among each other. And so they built two buildings. Forgiveness is something that begins in our own life. The scripture is clear. Jesus again teaches us that if we sin, if we do something in factors that he's willing to forgive us for the simple factor, he says, but in the same manner, if you're not willing to forgive someone else, then I'm not willing to forgive you. Can I tell you that in all the gospels and all the cold turkey and all the gospels that you share and all the things that you deal with in your own personal life, the greatest thing you can do is show people that God helps you forgive. And he allows you to go on with the life. You and I, I hope probably we live long enough to know that we've done things that were really pleasant. And we've had to go back to someone and ask for forgiveness. And the great testimony, I've heard kids say, and I've heard my own children say, Dad, if that was me, I'd have never forgiven them. And I say, you know, if it was me, I probably wouldn't. But my God forgave me for what I've done. And so I'm going to forgive them. And my kids today still remind me of the way that I, through God's grace and mercy, forgave that person that, again, probably had no rights to be forgiven before what they've done. But that speaks volumes to a world. Again, so-called Christians that I work with and others that cause the factors, and I see them constantly going around backbiting and gossiping and telling stories and resentment and telling what they've done. And yet, we want to testify and witness. We don't have to bang them over the heads. We need to just simply show them in our life that our God's forgiven us, and so we're going to forgive them. And that helps in the church. I mean, I know that you have one facility, but can you imagine... In the church, if it's divided because so-and-so didn't like this or do that. I did a sweetheart banquet one time, and I was talking to them about love and compassion. And I was telling them about being kind and gracious. And I said, you know, it would be like you fought over painting this fellowship hall and carried it out to the world. And later on, I had two or three pull me and said, you don't understand. About two months ago, we had about three to six months of fighting of what color the banquet hall was going to be. I said, Lord, can't you help me keep my mouth shut some places? But can you imagine the ripple effect out into the community about a church that will not forgive, a church that will give up and fight and argue? What God is asking us to do is not, again, be cold turkey. He's asking us in the church to make sure that we're willing to forgive and to share and to give that forgiveness. 
and allow God to minister to us and share with us in those points. Had a lady tell me one time that in the church many years ago, in the back of the church was a gentleman that was hurt badly in the church. Things happened, things took place. And every Sunday as people filed out of the church, he stood there daring them to say one word to him. Arms crossed, mean as all get out. And God said to her, I want you to shake his hand next week. And so that next week came and she walked out there and very shaken. She sticks her hands out and he, he kind of gave her that gear like, don't you even think about it, lady. And she said she put it down. And she went home and that week she prayed. And she said, Lord, is there somebody else? He said, no, I want, next week I want you to put your arm around him. I want you just to hug him. And she said, did you see what he did with my hand? And God just kind of spoke to her and said, no, I want you. And so this went on for weeks. And she would always, and he'd just dare you. So one Sunday morning, she just had enough. And she just ran back there, closed her eyes, and put her arms around him and hugged him and just gave him the biggest hug you've ever seen. And then she ran out the door. Three weeks later, he was down at the altar. He asked the whole church to forgive him for his attitude and his spirit, but he says it took one young lady every week trying to demonstrate forgiveness and love and compassion to him. And he said, for many years I would stand back there and people would just walk by and just say, there's that grumpy old guy. You know, most of us in our life might not express the being grumpy Outside, but inside, something has happened. Somewhere we've been hurt. Somewhere we are devastated. Somewhere we're sick or problems in our homes. And we take it as the fact that they're unchristian or they're just mean. And what it simply is that they just need someone like Jesus that reached out and touched them and showed them forgiveness and love and compassion. And so in our evangelism, let's be friendly. Let's be forgiving. And then the scripture goes on to say, be fearless. Fear not, neither be afraid. Ye are even my witnesses. Christ was never afraid. He was never concerned. But he died on the cross for salvation. He was loud and clear about the areas of love and compassion, doing the things that we need to do and share in our lives. We live in a difficult situation today, and it's very difficult. And again, I have some of those that say to me, oh, you're holier than thou, aren't you? And I said, no, I'm not. I'm further from it. I was a sinner. But you're going to find in this day and age especially that anything that you believe or disbelieve or factors, if we talk about abortion, we talk about gay marriages, we talk about the areas of, of uh, what goes on in our lives and cares, People are going to be judgmental towards us. And the key is that that should not stop us. That should not stop us from being kind and forgiving to those. Remember those that make fun of me and jeered at me. Remember the words of Jesus when he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Can I tell you something? That's a big secret in Christian walk today. And as a witness, because those things harbor you and things that come in your life, but 
the key is that when someone says something about you and share with it, it should be a compliment that they see something in you that's different, something that's loving and kind and gentle. Saving the areas of Christ and telling people about him is so important to that factor. So the, so the idea of being fearless, I understand the point. But I understand the point that if you're going cold turkey and you kind of try and share, but if you are just opening the doors for Jesus, I see no problem with the areas of being too fearful about that. But Jesus allowed them to hang him and bury him. And I believe that God wants us to continue to witness and share. That woman at the well, Jesus reached out to her. He wasn't judgmental. And the key is, you look at any of those situations. Every time that he would go into a community and he would kind of cast out the demons, you would think they would say, oh, thank you, Jesus. These people have been horrible. They're speaking and they're scaring and they're hurting people and they're running through the fires. They're doing all kind of nasty stuff. And the first thing out there was, you need to get out of our community. He just rid them of demon possession and they were yelling and screaming at him to get out of their community. It will happen. But we are to be fearless in the areas of not being afraid to be kind Funny, nice, forgiving. And then the last thing that I believe is important in the areas of witnessing, and that is in the area of faithfulness. This at home about three weeks ago, and it still aches a little bit. About six months ago, I looked out, and there was a gentleman walking up and down our street, and he looked like he was looking for something, and I wasn't sure what it was. And so I stepped out, and I said to him, I said, there's something wrong. He said, yeah, we were up through the neighborhoods here the other day. And he said, I dropped my keys. And uh, so he was a young man, probably in his 30s. And he uh, was still looking. And I said, well, I'll look down this way. And I began to look and share. And, and uh, we came back together again, and he began to talk a little bit. And I noticed on his shirt he had Cleveland Clinic on it. And I said, do you work there? I said, my wife works there. He says, yeah. And I said, well, you get back, you look for Cindy, and you talk to her, and, and you kind of, you know, tell her that we're out there. And he did find his keys. He told her. And, but through the few months, he joked with her on the elevator or down the hallway. He would say different things. And uh, I never made another move. I didn't go back to the hospital to see him. I didn't talk to him. His wife worked there, I guess, also at this point. But... Um, about two weeks ago, he decided to take his own life. And uh, God doesn't give me guilt, but he says to me, I wish you would have said a couple more things that day. I wish you would have given him some kind of encouragement more that day. And my wife has said the same thing, is that you couldn't see it on his face, but in, inside of his heart there must have been something horrible going on in his life. Two little kids and a wife. He leaves behind. And God says, maybe that day he was looking for keys. There's a little bit more you could have done and said. Again, God's not beat me up. And I've asked God to forgive me that if there's other words I should have shared. But can I tell you that in most cases, even in your home, there's someone that either calls or someone that goes across your path that God is saying, do something. Cultivate. Be faithful. Cultivate. Just make a conversation. Plant a seed. 
Let them hear you say something about how God blesses you and he's faithful. And they say, well, you know, I hope things go well for you. And you say, oh, it will because God loves me. Again, not pushy, shovey, but planting a seed. And then watering. God puts someone in your path and says, I need you just to kind of water this a little bit. Can I help you here? Oh, you need an extra dollar here. Let's do that. Pay it forward. The world's doing it like crazy. Be faithful in finding ways how to be friendly, how to be funny, how to be nice, how to be forgiving, how to be fearless, and then being faithful in the areas because Jesus was devoted in the task of helping, healing, serving others. He was faithful until death that we might have salvation. And so this morning, I just want you to know, I want you to sense this this morning, is that God is not necessarily, in this, it's that difficult that last moment situation where you need to say, you know what, you need to pray. You don't have time left. You need to ask God into your life. And even with then, I've had people say, no, I won't do it. But I ask the question. But in areas of witnessing and sharing our faith, God's not asking us to go out there and, and be weird and strange. He's saying to us, be friendly, be funny. Laugh at their jokes, even if they're not that funny. And I'm not talking about dirty ones, but I'm just saying, laugh with them, even if you're part of the joke. Let them see that you're human and that that you have tendencies and you're hurt and see how you handle that. I want you to know I'm not perfect at this. I'm still working on this. Some of you know our background and some of the things. I don't think I shared this. I was here, I preached a couple of Christmases ago. But during that time, I couldn't even talk about it at that point. But about three years ago, we've gone through as a family. We've been spoiled because we've, been, we've had losses and stuff like that. Um, and I feel it's important that I close with this so that you know. But about three years ago, uh, school snow day, my 11-year-old grandson, which I raised to about five, went over to a cousin's house because there's no school and they couldn't find some other families because they're at that point. And the 16-year-old went downstairs and called him down and said, I want to show you something. And it was a gun. The gun went off and killed my grandson. And then two months later, my mom passed away. Christmas Eve, my brother passed away. And then we were taking care of my dad for the last three years. And then he passed away. I don't tell you that because I can tell you that I didn't handle it always perfectly. God and I have some real questions. (laughs) We made this agreement. Someday when I see him, he'll let me know why all this happened. But I wasn't happy. But one thing the Spirit kept on saying to me, not in a horrible way. You're going to suffer. You're going to have pain. But the grace of God will give you enough grace to go out to a world that is lost. And I tell you today, it's not natural for me. All the feelings I had inside, everything that transpired inside, it had been very easy just to be very hateful and bitter. And I came to the conclusion that where else would I go Who else could have the grace and mercy enough to help me make it through all these things? And I can tell you today as I stand here, 
not perfect, because I lost my hip. I joined a couple of times wrestling with God. Very gracious, never condemning, never told God to go away, but very hurt and painful. But even through all that, God has given me the grace and the mercy to tell people he's the only way. He's the only way that if you're going to make it through this life and make it through whatever you're faced with, you must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you have that, then you want to put it in someone else's life in the same manner. This morning I preach to you not out of anger or guilt or other factors, but I tell you, I don't know what you're faced with or will be faced with. Never in a lifetime did I think that my 11-year-old grandson would be in heaven before I would get there. But I'm saying to you that we don't have all the answers. We don't have that little crystal ball to look for the future. But now is the day to have a right relationship with Jesus Christ so that when the day comes, and it will come, maybe not that bad, but maybe just some other things that happen. I'm glad that way back, years ago, as I was crawling under a Sunday school table, I had a Sunday school teacher then say, if you don't get up here, I'm going to drag you up here. Or as a teenager, we had kind of like a parsonage behind the old parsonage, and we would be out in a fire escape and have a junior high teacher say, you're going to get hurt out there. I need you to get back in here. I had some teachers that I found that went through difficult times. My youth pastor, which at that time was a layman, was only 45 years old and found out he had cancer. And I went to visit him one day, and I have the picture still to this day. We named my son Sam after him. He sat on the table, holding his chin up because he was so weak. And he looked at me and said, Waitman. And I thought, okay, here it comes. He's going to really rip God. He said, I want to tell you something. God is good. God has helped me. He's given me grace. He's given me strength through this. And I thank him for it. It just blew me away. As a young junior high student, I'm thinking, how could someone that's suffering through cancer and pain and agony look at me and tell me that God loves them and cares for them and grace and mercy? This morning... (laughs) I hope the witness is to you. God loves you. He cares for you. He wants to help you. He knows what's in the future. You do not, and you will need him to draw every ounce of your strength some days. But he's been there, and he will, and he loves you. And then there's someone at the bank, at the gas station, at school, at work, that's going to need you. And they need to know where it's come from and where to go to. And they'll remember that little cultivating. They'll remember the seed that you planted. They'll remember the watering. And who knows? You stand off in the corner someplace and say, God, my friend wants to accept you as their personal Savior and have Jesus Christ in their life. Father, we ask you to close this service this morning. We bow our heads. And I pray for the lives that are in this church this morning. 
You know them better than anyone. And some might have the same reason not to care or to love or to be mad. But I pray that they will give it to you. Accept your love and compassion and grace and mercy. And be able to touch others. One of the most exciting things I think, the Lord, is someday to be able to see those that we were instrumental in bringing to Jesus Christ. Oh, we might have not made the harvest, but we opened the door. And I've seen it over and over again that somehow, God, you've tied them and put them in the paths of those that are born-again Christians. And so as we leave this sanctuary, we thank you for the music, the prayer, the message. We thank you for the faithful that came this morning. But as we leave, may we have eyes of God today and watch that person that we need somehow to touch them. Friendly, funny, nice, forgiving, being fearless, and being faithful. For we do have an obligation to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone that comes our way in the same manner that we've received it. And we are fortunate that someone told us about Jesus. In thy name, amen.